0: Is it possible to disagree and still be friends? The answer is yes, and we are here to prove it. Join our group of badass sirens as we step out of our comfort zone and onto our soapboxes to sound off on our latest adventure. We might not always agree, but we will always love each other. Welcome to Siren Soapbox.
1: Welcome to Siren Soapbox, fellow explorers. Thank you for tuning in today. Our mission is to inspire you out of your comfort zone and into exploration. If you are enjoying our shows, please help us out by liking and subscribing. To explore along with us on our next adventure, go to www.sirensoapbox.com and click Dive in and Explore. You can also discover past episodes through the blog pages under Stay Curious. We'd love to hear what you think, or if you have an idea for a challenge, drop us a line at sirensoapbox at gmail.com. And now, on to today's episode. Welcome to our third installment of the Mystery Episode Series. Tonight, Murr is hosting our Mystery Episode. All we have to go on is our soapbox question, which is How does it make you feel when your opinions are challenged? She also said there is no right or wrong answer, so step outside your comfort zone, Sirens, and let's explore how you really feel. Remember, this is a safe space. If at any time the conversation gets too intense, the safe word is...
2: Mango! Mango.
1: First up on her soapbox tonight is the hostess with the mostest herself,
0: Mer. Thanks, Elsie. When my opinions are challenged, I almost hate to admit this, but my gut reaction is almost always to feel defensive. I want my opinions to be right. On the other hand, when I'm challenged to think differently about something, I try really hard to hear the other side, to hear the why someone thinks my opinion is wrong. I consider myself a curious girl, so I'd love to hear what other people have to say about the things I think or do I? I do listen. Then I ask myself some questions. The first question I ask myself is, did I ask this person for their opinion? (laughs) 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 If I did, I likely care about their response, so I'll, I'll take it more seriously. If I didn't ask this person for their opinion, I go on to question number two, which is, do I respect this person's opinion on most things? If I do, then I take their point of view into serious consideration. If I don't, then I usually decide to not give two shits about what that person says about my opinion. And step three is that I either change my mind or I move on with an unchanged opinion and life goes on. That's my process. I think the important thing here is that I'm willing to listen. I'm willing to hear the other side, even if I don't care for the opinions of the person making the argument. I believe listening is an important part of growing. So I'm not done growing. So therefore I listen. And now I'd love to listen to Sarah.
3: Well, thank you. Um, so the, the snarky Sarah would like to answer this question by saying I'm never wrong. Most that know me might agree. Well, at least in some settings, but the truth is when I'm wrong about a fact and someone points it out, I've actually learned to pretty graciously admit to being wrong. Nothing quiets a critic faster than just admitting to being wrong. Opinions though, are a little bit different. By definition, mine anyway, an opinion is just that. It can't be right or wrong, it's an opinion. The trouble comes in when someone believes their opinion to be fact. In most discussions where opinions are being shared, I'm pretty comfortable, even if there are those with opinions different from mine. I think it can be very interesting and educational to hear multiple different opinions on a topic. I mean, we do a lot of that here on Siren Soapbox. It's very different though, to have someone tell you your opinions are wrong. I find when faced with this scenario, I generally withdraw in some way. It's usually pretty clear when someone isn't willing to accept that I have a different opinion. And while I enjoy discussing opinions, I don't care to have someone tell me that my opinion is wrong. So I usually just stop engaging. And with that, on to Jess. Thanks, Sarah. I really don't know how I feel
4: when my opinions are challenged. I am typically interested in other people's opinions as long as they aren't being jerks or aggressive about it. If it becomes a debate, then I'm out. If it becomes aggressive, I'm out. (laughs) I don't mind to discuss uh, open, having open discussion. I do tend to get defensive about my opinion when it is based on fact, hashtag COVID, and not misinformation. I also feel like opinions can change the more you learn about something. I know mine have certainly changed as I've gotten older especially in politics but I definitely don't like debating about politics so really that's my soapbox <laughs> because I'm not sure what mer has in store for us and uh I'm pretty nervous <laughs> with that on to lc
1: how does it make me feel when my opinions challenged? well I guess it depends on how it's presented to me for instance I'm a Sagittarius and we are extremely competitive. Isn't that right, TC? (laughs) So right. (laughs) We also tend to be a bit blunt and not afraid to speak our opinions. Also being an Enneagram type seven doesn't help with the bluntness either. So I guess my point is, is if someone's really coming at me and really challenging my opinions, like think Facebook troll level of aggression, then I'm prepared to stand my ground and speak up for myself and defend my opinion like in a heated way. Not angry, although it probably comes off like that. If it's a casual challenge to beliefs, like someone mentioned something and it doesn't line up with what I believe in, I like to stay open-minded and do a lot of research. I mean, a lot. You all say I say rabbit hole often. Well, it's because like Alice in Wonderland, I find myself falling down a rabbit hole and researching every possible angle. I spent a lot of my college years and previous career as a scientist, and currently am, and will always be a naturalist. We have our hypothesis at first, our general gut instinct assumption, and then we spend a lot of time looking at different sides trying to prove if that initial instinct was correct. If it's something that's like a religious belief and someone believes differently, as long as they're not hurting anyone, I am curious and open for discussion, just like we model on the podcast. I am really disappointed that it seems like people can't talk to each other anymore without having different opinions or when they have different opinions. I know I don't like to be wrong, but I doubt anyone really does. Recently, there have been quite a few companies that I have lost faith in. Go watch Spiracy and you'll start down that rabbit hole. Uh, It's really become who can we actually believe? I took stock and rallied for and in my previously misguided opinion, defended, believing the bullshit lies these companies fed everyone, and it's all greenwashing and for profit. So there's the salt in the wound. Then I welcome my opinion being challenged, because the truth sets us free. And now, on to TC.
2: I feel like this is one of those questions that's tough to answer, because you know how you want to react. So to think this through, let me start by saying that when I process things, it comes off as aggressive. I usually have to go back and make sure everything's okay with the person after I process something. And I'm sure it seems like I'm arguing because I ask very pointed questions. I think it probably feels like I'm trying to argue someone into a corner, but I promise you I'm not. I'm working through the different opinion to see if I should change my own. So when my opinions are challenged, I guess part of the answer has to be about how the opinion is challenged or maybe what opinion is challenged. I mean, if we're talking about which restaurant on the island has the best pizza, pizza, which actually comes up a lot, then I'm open to hearing all of the opinions. There are lots of different ideas about how to make a pizza, thin crust or thick, lots of sauce or just a touch, and of course, pineapple or no pineapple. (laughs) Then there is the really important stuff like, I don't know if happiness is a choice, but is that really a matter of opinion? I want to not be defensive. I know that sometimes I am and I'm consciously working on responding with curiosity. I'm not 100% there, but I want to be. But the question was, how does it make me feel? Not how do I react? I think sometimes it makes me feel curious. Sometimes it makes me feel defensive. Sometimes it makes me feel marginalized. And sometimes it makes me feel listened to. You know, someone listened to my opinion and that person is taking the time to explain his or her own opinion. Conversations with my brother usually work this way. So I guess the answer to the question is, it makes me feel all kinds of ways. And now... I'm happy to introduce the voice at the beginning and end of our podcast episodes, the myth, the legend, the siren we all love, Siren Myrrh with her mystery episode.
0: Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Wow. So nice.
1: (laughs) Welcome. It's so nice to finally have you on.
0: (laughs) Thanks. I have been waiting for this moment. For months, really, since I heard about the soapbox. (laughs) I just want to say that I worked with TC in a professional capacity for five years. And when her opinion is challenged, it does sort of feel like an argument. And I know that that's not what it is. And I think everyone who worked with her knows that, came to learn that. But it initially is kind of what it feels like. So I thought that was an interesting observation that you made by yourself.
2: How many times did I call you later and say, hey, are we okay? <laughs> uh,
0: I think that just happened like a week ago. <laughs> yeah, it just
2: happened actually. It just happened with Siren Sara a couple weeks ago too, after we processed something <laughs> together.
3: <laughs> I love that about you though. And of course, everything's always okay. Always okay.
0: Okay, so... The Book of Questions. The Book of Questions was originally released in 1987, but it was updated and re-released in September of 2013. And that's the version we're using today. The description on the description of this book on Amazon reads, this is a book for personal growth, a tool for deepening relationships, a lively conversation starter for the family dinner table, a fun way to pass the time in the car, It poses over 300 questions that invite people to explore the most fascinating of subjects themselves and how they feel about the world. The book of questions may be the only publication that challenges and even changes the way you view the world without offering a single opinion of its own. And I like that piece, the offering no opinion of its own. It just you just have to kind of sit in it after you after you spit it out. So I started picking through the book this weekend to pick out questions that I wanted you all to answer, but then I realized that I also really wanted to answer these questions with you. So I stopped looking and I posed the soapbox question to the team, and now here we are. I'm going to use Google's random number generator to decide which questions we'll answer. I'm excited to learn about your thoughts and feelings, and I'm curious about whether or not any of your answers will prompt me to change my mind about anything I currently believe. So does anybody have any questions or concerns before we move forward? Oh all right yeah, Let's dive in. So should, should we share the random number generator on the screen or do you just believe me?
2: I believe
0: you. All right,'ll believe so, you. We'll read two, it off
1: your glasses. <laughs>
0: 254 <laughs> is the first question. Okay. Can you be counted on to do what you say you'll do? What does it take for you to trust someone? So that's a two part question and let's start, we're gonna go in soapbox order, but we're gonna rotate. So I'm gonna start with Sara first. All right, can you be counted on to do what you say you'll do? What does it take for you to trust someone?
3: Um, I think, yes, I can be counted to do what I say I will do. Somebody asks me to do something or if I need to do something, I will generally get it done. uh, I can't think of time. I mean, I'm sure there are times that I have not lived up to that, but in general, I strive to do that. Um, you know, I've got three kids that I'm still taking care of. I've got a a husband and I like to think that they can count on me when I've said that I will do something. Um, the second question, what does it take for me to trust? Is that what the second question was? Yes. What does Uh, it take
0: for you to trust someone?
3: Uh, Time and uh, demonstrating that somebody is trustworthy. Um, I generally don't trust very quickly. Um, I uh, I've always had a tendency to um, think people are not being honest and just saying things to get me to either think a certain way, feel a certain way, or and that goes back to my childhood, really. Uh, come to you know if I want to really get uh, down to it. Um, so I, I think proving that. You are trustworthy by doing the things that you say that you're going to do and living up to, um, you know, what, what I would expect you to do as a trustworthy person. And it usually takes some time. I don't trust very quickly. And that's that. Jess. Uh,
4: yeah, I absolutely um, can be trusted to do what I say I'm going to do. Uh, especially if somebody asks me to do something I am on it and do it really quick a doing stuff for myself on the other hand I am a pretty big procrastinator so um if it's something that somebody needs me to do I do it really quickly um especially at work I'm you know I'm a manager so somebody needs me to do something there's usually a pretty urgent need or or reason for it so um as far as trusting people, I trust people pretty quickly. Probably too quickly sometimes, <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, I, I trust people pretty quickly. It doesn't take too much. So that's all I've got. On to Elsie.
1: So I like to. I I take pride in doing what I say I'm going to do and make sure that I get it done. If I remember it is another question because my spirit animal is Dory. So <laughs> if I honestly forget, then it's not because I don't, I'm not trustworthy. It's cause I, I forgot. You can't trust my brain. <laughs> um, So gentle reminders, if I don't do the thing that I say I'm going to do, because I do like to follow through. I hate letting people down like that. And then uh, it takes me a long time to trust people. Uh, It takes a long time for me to uh, get out of my shell. And then once trust is gone, then time and communication, just like starting all over again, but it'll, it'll take a little bit longer the second time around. On to TC.
2: Do I do things I say I'm going to do? I think is the first part of the question.
0: Can you be counted on to do what you'll say you'll do?
2: So there's two parts to my answer. Um, Drunk Tracy, no, nope, nope. (laughs) Drunk Tracy will actually invite you to move in. And I have done that many times. (laughs) Literally, sometimes we'll be leaving a bar and Dino will say to me, did you invite anyone to move in with us? (laughs) And sometimes the answer is yes. And then I have to hold my breath and hope they don't reach out to me the next day. But one time that did happen. The next day, somebody wanted to know what the move in plans were and I had to backtrack. Um, Sober Tracy. Yeah, for the most part, I, I do have some memory issues. I have a scary, bad memory. When I say scary, bad, I mean, it scares me. So I have to set an alarm or write myself a message or put it on the calendar. I tell people at work, if it's not on the calendar, I will not be there. So it has to be on the calendar. What does it take for me to trust someone else? Almost nothing. The question for me is, what does it take for me to not trust someone? I pretty much give it away at will. And it's up to you to lose it. So next up on her soapbox is Myrrh.
0: So I can mostly be counted on to do what I'll say I'll do, but I, I, there are seasons in my life where I will just lose all motivation to do anything. And then I do find myself, um, slipping on promises or things. And then I feel worse about myself, but you know, that's what therapy is for. Um, (laughs) what does it take for me to trust someone? I'm on, I'm with TC on this one. I give it away. But the second I, I learned that someone has lied to me or has hurt my feelings, like purposefully hurt my feelings. Um, I, I immediately lose that trust and then just like, LC, good luck getting it back. So that's me. Next question, question number 15 asks us, there are like three questions to this one. Pardon. I'm writing that down. <laughs> all right. Would you like to be famous? If so, for what? What if you knew it meant that within a few years you'd lose all your current friends and never develop new relationships that were meaningful? Oh. That's a crazy twist on this question. Can you repeat the last part? Yes. The third part of this question is, what if you knew it meant that if becoming famous meant that within a few years you'd lose all your current friends and never develop new relationships that were as meaningful. What was the middle part?
4: <laughs> what do you want to be famous for?
0: Yep. Do you want to would you like to be famous? If so, for what? And first up is Jess.
4: I don't like this question.
0: <laughs> I did until that last part. I know. I was so sure about what my answer would be until that last part. <laughs> we're,
1: we're digging into <laughs>
0: Jess's biggest
1: fear here.
0: I know, I know that's it's right. True.
4: Yeah. So uh, I mean, yes, I want to be famous. For this podcast but um, not if it means losing my friends I mean my friends are my family I have like you know I have super close friends like and you know their kids are my nieces and nephews like so no if it's at that expense absolutely not (laughs) so that's that's the uh that that's a hard stop for me. So uh on to LC.
1: <laughs> well, I think this is a really funny question considering we were just talking about in uh what was it, the artist way. It was all about being famous. And yeah. we're we're doing the affirmation stuff beforehand. In the back of my head, I'm like, it's to be famous for siren soapbox. Um, so yeah, I'd like to be famous. Um, and again for siren soapbox. And then uh that would pretty much suck because then the podcast is over because it's with you all. <laughs> okay. So we'd get famous and then it, it would end. And I would not like that. Um, and then what's the point in being famous if you can't share it with anybody So and not have any meaningful relationships? So not at that cost. On to TC.
2: I would like to be famous for Siren Soapbox, um, specifically for helping other women get out of their comfort zone and explore the world. So that's the yeah, and the what for? But to lose all of my friends, sure. I don't need any of my friends. They're all stupid anyway.
3: <laughs> no, I don't want to lose. I don't want to lose my friends,
2: dude. Are you kidding me? So. I don't know. Okay. So if we became famous for helping other women around the world, is it worth helping lots of women around the world and losing all of your friends? I'm still going to say no. I love my friends. So no. Next is uh,
0: Mur. Oh. Yeah. I, same thing. Although I would like to be famous, not just for this podcast, but I really want to be a cartoon character even though I haven't put and I've put almost no effort into it recently, but I really want to be a cartoon character and I would love to be famous for that as well as the soapbox, but definitely not at the expense of losing all of my friendships that like Jess, my friends are, I'm closer to my friends than I am to my actual family. So that would be too expensive for me. What about you, Sarah?
3: Well, yeah, I mean, now that this podcast is, a, is in my life and now I'm part of it, I think that it would be absolutely amazing to be famous um, here with the Siren Soapbox. Um, and before this, I, I would have loved to have been a musician, be famous for being a really cool singer. Um, I think that would be really awesome or be able to play really, an instrument really, really well and be very famous for it. But, but yeah, I, I can't imagine anything being worth losing all of my current relationships for and not being able to develop new ones. And I'm just wondering how what it would be like in somebody's life to to feel like they would say, yeah, I would do that. I would be famous and I would be fine with giving up everything.
0: Yeah, that's a um, good question.
3: And I, I, just, I just wonder how many truly famous people out there have actually done that um, at that expense and are okay with it an interesting thought because I can't imagine, I don't want to say normal people, but I can't imagine that most people wouldn't say there's no way I would give everything up just to be famous, but I'm quite sure there are a lot of people that have already done it.
0: Well, and to take it a step further, there are probably plenty of people out there who don't understand or know what it feels like to have relationships like we have, which is probably the saddest thought of
3: all that's probably true for those those um you know child stars Mm -hmm.
0: oh yeah that's some of the
3: crazy crazy famous child stars you know thinking um britney spears and justin Bieber, those folks that probably have never really understood a or maybe haven't really understood a a true meaningful relationship because once you get that to be that famous every relationship is in question
0: yeah if you're somebody
3: like me that doesn't trust very well at least (laughs)
0: All right. Next question is question number 269. I like 269. Mm. I like, I like anything 69. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, this is a, this is a a very short question. Do you enjoy sleeping in physical contact with your lover? It's an appropriate question for, right? (laughs) For 269.
1: LC, you're first. Wait, I was so concerned with the joke.
0: Enjoy sleeping and... In physical contact with your lover.
1: Uh, yes. <laughs> I mean, yeah, duh. Easy. <laughs> Talk to TC. <laughs> uh,
2: yeah, duh. Easy. On to <laughs> Uh
0: Yeah, duh. As we're falling asleep. But here's the thing. We cannot be in phys- close physical contact all night long. We are like two freaking saunas and cuddled up next to him all night long is a disaster so we definitely fall asleep that well start to fall asleep that way and then we drift apart as we're actually going to bed so what about you Sarah
3: Uh, absolutely yes yeah. Um, you know, I think that uh, it's very sad to not want to be next to someone, next to the person that you love as you're going off to sleep. I mean, if you think about it, you know, take the intimacy out of it, sleeping, being asleep next to somebody is such an intimate thing. It's such a private, intimate thing to be sleeping and, and to do it that close to someone is just amazing.
0: It's, it's very vulnerable. I never really thought mm-hmm. about it like that. What about you, Jess?
4: Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so do, usually by the end of the night um ben has shoved covers in between us because i'm too warm mm-hmm. and he can't stand it but then he still like puts his arm around me he just has covers like in between us
3: i have a, you know a portable fan up here that blows just on me so that i don't get too hot so that we can still be close together
2: you know, gets really hot at night so i just put a hand like on his shoulder but it's nice to just be touching in some yeah.
0: way. There is, there's is a whole lot of that, like a foot or a yeah. fingertip.
4: <laughs> <laughs> You're too hot.
0: But as we're falling asleep, we're like two tiny, close little spoons. So, all right. Next question. Number 274 this is a long one, Put your listening ears on. If you learned that a century ago, your great-great-grandfather robbed and murdered someone, would you try to make it up to their now distant offspring? What if the great-great-grandson of the victim came to you and demanded that you or your kids pay his $10,000? Wait, what if the great-great-grandson of the victim came to you and demanded that you or your kids pay his kids $10,000 to make up for what your ancestor did? Uh I forget where we started first. TC, you're first on this one.
2: Nope. No, I I I don't feel I don't feel responsible for the activities of my ancestors, any of them. So the answer is no. And the answer to the second question is no. No.
0: I feel the same way about this. Um, I want to say something that might put me out there very publicly, but I'm going to do it. I do have ancestors that own slaves. I know that. And I obviously think that that's awful. I would never dream of like to even imagine that that's okay, but I don't feel responsible for them and, and their choices in that aspect. You know, I have chosen to live my life obviously very different, and I think that repairing future generations is important. But not at um, I'm not responsible for what my ancestors did. Sarah,
3: uh, I agree. Uh, no, I don't feel responsible, and I would not pay any monetary reparation um, if asked. I will say that, you know, putting this out there about my family history, way, way, way in the past, we uh, apparently had a bunch of horse thieves. Um, and quite frankly, I think that's really cool. So, uh, but no, seriously, I I, I I agree with you wholeheartedly, Mer. It's, uh, it's what we can do for the future, not to try to make up for what happened in the past. You just try and do the right things moving forward. And that's not to... Um, be held responsible for what happened in the past with your ancestors. So, and that's that. Jess.
4: So, on the same line of Murr, I have a great-great-grandparent who was apparently a grand wizard in the KKK. So, um, no, I um, I just try to live by the example of what I was taught from my parents which is um you know our our grandparents and great-grandparents are stupid (laughs) and we don't do what they do (laughs) (laughs) and just try to um you know lead by example for my my nieces and nephews and the people around me that uh you know don't repeat history so yeah, that's uh, I. I don't feel like I need to do anything about that other than just be a better person than they were. <laughs> so. That's uh, that's what I have on to LC.
3: Uh, I, I, before we go on, I just want to say that I thought you were talking about your family uh, had, was they were wizards and I was really excited for a second, <laughs> but then I listened further. So I looked very cool. excited when you started saying wizards, but uh, but then I realized. Not
4: those going. type of robes. No. Uh-uh. Yeah. Wizard would have been cool.
3: Um, yeah. The
1: answer to my question simply no and no. So unanimously, <laughs> uh, because then where do you stop? How far down the generations are you gonna go? I mean, that's just I can't be responsible for things that happened before I was born. I'm only responsible for me and my actions, and I can only live the best life that I can and try and make it a positive
0: place. So, yeah. All right. Question number one seventy-eight. Do you believe in God? If not, do you think you might nonetheless pray if you were in a life-threatening situation? So I have, I believe in something. Oh, I'm going first in this one's my turn. I believe in something. I believe that there are too many different versions of God and religion to think that one of them is correct. I think that I, I choose to call the higher power that I believe in the universe. Um, I would not pray to anyone named God in a life-threatening situation. I might, I do often ask the universe for advice and I, I talk to the universe and for my friend, Nicole, she says, well, that's you speaking to God. And if that makes her feel better, that's great. Um, But that's not what I picture or envision when I, when I'm speaking to the universe, but that's me, Sarah.
3: Um, Uh, like you, I believe in something, I'm just not really sure what it is. Um, I don't necessarily believe in a God, but I do throw, um, I guess you could call them prayers out there. Um, And I don't know who or what I'm praying to the universe, maybe it's a God, or I don't know. But, uh, you know, Like when I'm flying, because even though uh, flying as a fear wasn't something I talked about, it's not something I enjoy doing and, um, you know, I do a lot of self talk and you know that uh, one thing that I took from the secret I I picture the plane, taking off flying and landing and I do that the whole time, like when we're taking I you know I do things like that and. um, uh, So. Uh, There's, there's something that I believe in. I just really don't understand what it is and can't put my finger on it. And, um, I've also not been educated in religion at all, really. Um, and don't, um, have a strong desire to learn about religion. There are a lot of other things that I want to learn about and know about, and that's just not been one of them at this point. So, uh, so yeah, that's
1: that. Sarah, what if that plane lands five years later though? (laughs)
3: Ooh. <laughs> it's all connected lc it's all <laughs>
2: connected. man i wish it was 828 right now but it's not oh it's my se- God. It, is, it is 757 was that the kind of plane they were on was it the 757 anyway
4: oh, no, sorry
2: <laughs> next is jess
4: i uh Would like to refer back to the Hail Satan episode, please. Um,
0: (laughs) I love me some Jesus. I think that's a direct quote from Jess. But
2: I drink drink
4: a little. (laughs) I love Jesus, but I drink a little. Uh, I I believe in God, but I also believe that um, God is not one specific religion. It's, you know, God can be the same as Allah it can be the same as Krishna it could be the same as uh you know many different religions out there that have one specific deity there's nothing that we know or have proven that says that that God is not the same God so um but
0: don't they argue that I mean I don't know enough about different religions but I I,
4: they argue it but we don't know right (laughs) we probably won't know until we die (laughs) And go up there and be like, oh, you are Buddha. Okay. <laughs> so I, you know, I just, I do pray and, um, you know, I just, I don't like organized religion, but yes, I believe in God. On to Elsie.
0: What if we're all wrong and God isn't up there, but he's down there?
4: Uh, Sorry, I interrupted I'll save question. you
0: a seat. <laughs> <laughs> go ahead, Elsie
1: um I think mean, I know your answer know how to respond to that you had to do that right <laughs> before I talked knew it. um so yes I believe in God um it was not until very recently so like 2019 that I went from eh, there's something I don't know what to having just a series of I guess they call them God moments um there there's a long list and I could go over it another time, but I have been personally touched and 100% believe uh, in God and Jesus. Uh, organized religion, I believe, is a problem and because it's run by people. <laughs> there's no perfect people out there in the world. Um, only God is perfect and Jesus and God is love. And I think if we all start acting, lovingly, the world would be a much better place, which I think is what they originally wanted anyway. So on to TC.
2: So this surprisingly is, yes, I believe in God. I believe that um, I believe in God and I believe in pieces of pretty much all of the religion, religions throughout history just about every civilization has some religious beliefs about a creator and a maintainer. I don't know what other word to use, but there there are a lot of similarities between all of those beliefs. And I have a hard time, I have a hard time believing that throughout all of those civilizations, there isn't some correctness there, that they're all completely and totally wrong. I think There's wisdom in all of those histories and civilizations and religious beliefs. Um, And yes, people do argue it. One religion argues with another. But like Elsie pointed out, those are people doing the arguing. And everybody has their own interpretation of everything. If we showed a picture and said, what do you think is happening in this picture? We would all interpret it a little bit differently. And I believe there's a kernel of truth in all of those interpretations, just like I believe there's a kernel of truth in all of those religions. And who's next? Oh, I'm last.
0: Oh, you're last. Okay. Uh, there is a dog barking in my neighbor's yard. Sorry about that. Next question is question number 234. A deaf couple plans to have a baby by IVF so they can implant an embryo with genes that will ensure their child will be deaf. Do you think this is wrong? Should it be illegal? And Sarah... Is first to answer this fun philosophical question.
3: Um, but yeah, you know, that's a that's a tough one because instinctively, I that's no, that's ridiculous. Why would you genetically engineer somebody to have an imperfection like that? But um, you know, as soon as you start saying that you can't do that, then um, um I don't know. That just seems ridiculous. Why on earth would you, I mean, so that, so that they could understand their child so that their child could learn from them how to be deaf um, and make it okay. Do they uh, not want to be in competition with their child? That just seems so ridiculous. Why you would wish a, um, a something that doesn't have to be on somebody, but then, um, you know, genetically engineering blue eyes versus Brown eyes, you know, that's, that's the other part of that. Cause that's, something that they're looking to do at some point, right, you know, you can have your kid be have blue eyes, you can have your kid have brown eyes, you can make sure that you um, splice out the, the DNA for this particular illness or that particular illness, I'm not sure why you would splice in an imperfection like that, that can create a difficult life for your child, wouldn't the whole point of genetic engineering be to make things a little bit better, but brings in the broader question of genetic engineering at all. And is it okay to do that to make the perfect little creatures? And, you know, we could ask some of our um, Nazi ancestors about that, I suppose, because isn't that what they were trying to do? Engineer the perfect people by getting rid of all the people that they didn't think were perfect. So I don't know. I just think that's ridiculous. That was a very long answer.
4: I think there was an episode of Scrubs about this, like where this child had the opportunity to have a cochlear implant to begin hearing, but his dad didn't want him to have it because his dad didn't want him to not be deaf, basically because he felt like they wouldn't have a connection anymore. So on one hand, I understand that you want to have that connection with your child but I also feel like kids are very teachable so you could teach them sign language. Um, I mean, Elsie taught Connor a lot of sign language when he was young and, um, but it's also a, I feel like it's a big safety thing. Like, you know, your, your child not being able to hear, like, you're not going to be able to teach him about like listening for honking horns and things like that. So um, yeah, I, I feel like, not so much the disability aspect of it, but the the safety aspect of it. So, uh, yeah, I I I'm not sure I like that. <laughs> so, um, on to
1: LC. Yeah, this is a weird uh question, and like I can kind of understand that the parent wants to be able to connect, but that that's a parent. They they connect that way. You don't have to share the same disability or um yeah I guess it goes back to the the same thing with the generational thing and making people pay for that like where do you stop at that point you know what are we going to engineer next and I am on the conspiracy theory side of TikTok and apparently scientists are like breeding half human half animal things now just like on that Netflix show so it's like where do you stop with all that stuff I think it's it's one of those things where you leave it in God's hands, and whatever will be will be. Um, and if you want a, a deaf child, then maybe adopt one. Is my thought. Maybe I don't know. That that's that's a weird question. TC. I
2: don't know the answer to that question. I'm trying to think about why. Unless, if you're both deaf, perhaps you've gotten to the point where you think that there is a benefit to being deaf and you want to give your child that benefit. Um, I mean, it does. I'm not deaf, so I can't pretend to understand what I think might be the benefits of being deaf, but Maybe it allows you um, to block out the craziness of the world surrounding you. Maybe there's a band and I can't remember the name of it, but one of the members of the band has this issue where he can hear his blood flow all the time and they use that to the benefit of their music. And they make really beautiful, interesting and unique music that maybe they wouldn't make if that dude didn't have that issue. So... I don't know. I mean, I guess it kind of begs the question, do you believe in being able to engineer your child, period, whatever you want, if you want the perfect, what you consider the perfect child, and maybe people have a different version of what they think is a perfect child. So should you be able to engineer your child? And I think, I think my answer is no, you shouldn't be able to engineer your child, regardless of what you're trying to engineer.
0: I think this question, like the root of it is it boils down to narcissism and it's cloaked in a disability mask. It's about wanting to engineer a child to be like you. And I think that that is kind of a crazy concept. It, It would be no different. I think someone else said it than me genetically engineering my child to have my same green eyes and that it just seems insane that you would fuck with the universe in that way or god or whatever it it just i i do think it should be illegal i think it should be illegal i think that that's a crazy thing to do (laughs)
3: But what if you could what if you opinion. could genetically splice out some horrendous diseases that are transmitted through DNA? I mean, if you could genetically splice that out.
0: Like my family is susceptible to cancer, so I can splice out the cancer gene in my embryo. Mm-hmm. I just think it's fucked up. I think that's a crazy thing to play but I can see the allure of it.
3: Does it make it any different for you if it's taking away something like cancer or making somebody's eyes green? Does that make a difference in the question? Does it change anybody's opinion? I would have to think if we have the ability to genetically get
1: rid of cancer at an embryonic level that we would be able to, once you get cancer, be able to get rid of it? Maybe? I don't know. Like after you're already alive.
2: I think that's different though, because cancer kills you and deafness does not. What if, what if these two people who were both deaf wanted to genetically engineer their child to not be deaf? Would that change your mind?
0: (laughs) I mean, that, that wipes out my entire argument about them making this decision.
3: Well, it's just a different question because I think you're you're what you're saying is completely correct in this scenario. It is a very narcissistic thing, but it's a very uh, selfless or selfless isn't the right word, but a very generous thing to take out being deaf.
2: But that's only if you live with the assumption that deafness is only a, a negative and has no positive. And perhaps these two people have determined that it's very much a positive thing. Um, I I don't, you can look at any situation and there's always a really positive and a really negative side to it. And maybe it depends on your perspective. I don't know. I don't know what the answer to that is. I would say no, because it feels easiest right now.
3: Right. That's how I'm feeling.
2: But it's hard 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 to see.
3: It's hard to see where not being able to hear would be an advantage.
2: Because you can hear.
3: But also, knowing somebody that can't hear, I see all the disadvantages. So, I see. I, uh, yeah. know.
2: I know I've worked with a lot of people who can't hear, and when given the option to use a device that would allow them to hear, they chose not to. So, I don't know that everyone sees it as a disadvantage. I'm sure that some people do. I think some people see being really wealthy as an advantage, and I think some people see that as being a disadvantage. It all just depends on your outlook and perspective and experiences.
0: It is tempting to think, though, that I can rid my future child of any um, life-threatening illnesses. But this, so it it take, that kind of thought, though, like spins me down a rabbit hole. Have any of you ever watched the Black Mirror series on Netflix? Yes, (laughs) so good. So this is kind of what it reminds me of. Like, I I feel like it's almost like you're trading your soul for something, right? So if, if you pull out that genetic deficiency that would prevent your child from having cancer, what's to say that the cost, you don't know the cost, but down the line, I don't know that that means that this child has to die by getting hit by a bus, but you don't know that when you're making the decision. I don't know. It's just like, I feel like choices like that have consequences.
2: It's true. And if you take away all of the potential for any kind of disease like that from your future, then how does that change the human experience? Or if you change anyone genetically in any way, how does that change the human experience? Like, we don't know the answer to that.
0: Yeah. I, I, how think many... I was... No, go ahead, Elsie. How many discoveries
1: have we had because somebody has some sort of uh disability or experience different than we do and how many i i forget where i was going with that but you know what i mean like because we experience certain things we are able to make certain discoveries we can't make life perfect for everybody because then there's always gonna be something else it's chasing that uh perfect lifestyle that you
3: know just be happy with what you have i guess and there are always unintended consequences to everything that you do
0: always All right, next question, number 124. Is it hard for you to ask for help? If so, what about it bothers you the most? And first answer is Jess.
4: No, it's not. really just depends on probably what I am asking for help for. So, I mean, like if I'm asking for help on like a mental issue, that is pretty hard for me. Um, You know, it's hard for me to reach out and say that I'm struggling. Um, But if it's just like, Hey baby, I can't reach this thing on the shelf and you're six eight, <laughs> so get in the kitchen, then that's different. Um so I mean, I think it I guess it depends.
0: All right. How about you, Elsie?
1: So Jack deployed when Connor was a week old and I very much had to do everything by myself and I did not realize it until he got back and I'm holding a baby in one hand and like carrying groceries and trying to open the door and doing everything. And he's, he'd be like, I am right here. Just ask me for help. And I refuse. (laughs) Sometimes I I just like doing things myself. I think it'll be easier and faster. Sometimes I think maybe, uh, It'll take too long to explain what I need. I might as well have just done it myself the first time. Um, So I guess I'm anal retentive. That's what bothers me. (laughs) I'd rather just do it myself. Um, So yeah, I do have a hard time asking for help. And sometimes I ask when it's too late. Like, oh my God, the podcast is too much. Please help me, people. (laughs) So... What do you think,
2: TC? I'm wondering if there's something Sagittarius or something seven about that, because I have a really tough time asking for help. Um, and it's gotten in the way of relationships in the past. And I remember having that conversation with Dino and just telling him, I have a hard time asking or accepting, not even just asking, but accepting help. And I remember one time he called me on his way home and he said, I'm, I'm headed home. I'm going to stop at the grocery store, pick up a couple things. Do you need anything? And I did need stuff. And I said, Nope, I'm good. And he was just quiet for a minute. He was like, I was just at your house yesterday. I know you need stuff. So I'm going to buy these three things. Is there anything else you need? I'm like, um, yeah, I'll take this fourth thing. And he bought those four things and brought them home. And in the bag, there was a piece of paper inviting me on the first trip we took together. So that was really awesome. But yeah, I have a hard time. and It's something I'm really consciously trying to work on being willing to trust someone enough. For me, I think it's because I have a fear of, um, of being a burden to someone. And also I'm a big, strong, independent woman. I can do it myself. Hell yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I, I have um, experience in Uh, some domestic violence that occurred in my life. And since then, I very much have been all about, yeah, I got this. And I have a really tough time depending on anyone for anything. I always have to feel like I'm in a position that I can just do this on my own.
4: Like letting your friend pick you up from the airport when it's literally right next to her house.
2: It took me a while to say yes to that, but I so appreciated it. Yes.
4: How about
0: you? I also have a hard time asking for help. Um, accepting help is easier, but asking for help is really difficult. And I, I know that this stems from childhood. I, I feel like, you know, as an adult looking back, I feel like my grandma maybe thought that my mom and her kids were a burden. So asking for help, doesn't feel like a natural thing. It feels like someone's going to get mad at me. If I ask for help, that's, that's what it feels like, which is ridiculous. I've never in my life had anyone get mad at me for asking for help, but well, not as an adult, but it feels like, like, that's the thing that's going to happen when I ask for help. So I tend to not do it. And, um, so things go, they get um, they go unfinished and undone because I'm too afraid to ask someone to help me to help me figure it out. So, uh, yeah. What about you, Sarah?
3: Um, well, I've been through different phases in my life where I would have, you know, answered that question. Definitely. What did I just say? I would answer that, que- <laughs> answer that question differently, depending on, um, you know, where I was in my life. I I know for a period of time, I was a single mom to, three kids, and I did, uh, I was in charge of everything. And so I had to ask for help, whether, you know, looking to um, uh, a babysitter to help. And I sort of had a nanny that did a lot of things, and my mom helped quite a bit. And so I sort of had to ask for help. Um, And now I find I, I, I guess I'm in a lucky position, at least personally, where I don't really ever have to ask for help because the people that I'm with know what's going on and what's happening. And and they just seem to help naturally um, and offer that help that's, that's needed um, without me always having to ask for it. Um, There are times when I'll be trying very hard to manage something on my own and and there'll be a, Hey, uh, you want me to help with that? And then I'm like, Oh yeah, yeah yeah sure. So yeah, I, I sometimes forget to ask for help. Um, but you know, in my professional life, we are of course trained to take care of every emergency and, and all kinds of things. You know, being in in the operating room, but uh, you have to be very aware of when you need to ask for help. Um, and you know, I've had you know other partners or folks that I, I see that they have a very hard time asking for that kind of help and they'll end up getting themselves into into trouble by not asking for help. So um, I'm pretty aware of, of making sure that I don't get myself into trouble before asking for help.
0: So. Cool. The next question is a question right after that, One twenty five. Of course I closed the book though. You're raising money for a charity, and someone agrees to make a large contribution if you perform a loan in front of a 1,000 people at an upcoming fundraiser. Would you agree? If so, how big a donation, if any, would you require, and what sort of act would you perform? But again, I didn't understand it. Sure. You're raising money for a charity, and someone agrees to make a large contribution if you perform alone in front of a thousand people at an upcoming fundraiser. Okay, wait. You
2: You said perform alone. I thought you said perform a loan. Oh, I thought too.
4: (laughs) Sorry. Maybe maybe because of what I do for a living, but But I don't don't do (laughs)
2: that. Okay, perform alone. I'm with you now.
0: Enunciation is important perform alone in front of a thousand people at an upcoming fundraiser? Would you agree? If so, how big of a donation, if any, would you require and what sort of act would you perform? And first is Elsie. Uh, so I
1: love getting up in front of people. So yes, I would do the thing in front of an audience alone. And I, I, really want to try my hand at comedy i think that would be fun so like a stand-up act is what i would do and what i think we should do in the future so and i don't know for what amount whatever they're willing to i guess it depends on what we're raising money for and uh what they're willing to give tc what about you
2: i had i got no performance to do i don't know what i would do (laughs) Motivational speaker. (laughs) I mean, yeah, I would do it. Whatever it is, I would do it. And um, I would do anything but singing, probably, whatever it was. Preferably talk about turtles. I could do that for a long time. And um, I guess whatever amount. And it depends on what they ask me to do. If they ask me to sing, it would have to be a lot of money because it's going to be the last... Thing that earns money that night because everyone's gonna leave when <laughs> get up on stage so it should be what they need it should be their goal amount is what i would ask that's what i would do mer
0: i would absolutely get up on a stage and perform something in front of a thousand people i also would um love to be a stand-up comedy or comedian I think that that would be so much fun and so much work and so disheartening when nobody laughs at you oh my god what a (laughs) roller coaster (laughs) but I would pepper it in with some song because you know me I love to sing um I've been told that I got pipes I don't know I wouldn't require much of a donation (laughs) to uh to get up in front of people and do anything. So you
2: wouldn't make the donation. You'd be like, I'll give you one thousand bucks <laughs> if I can get up and
0: perform alone. <laughs> Is it all my stage? I'll give you ten thousand dollars. <laughs> yeah, that's that's kind of where I am with that, Sarah.
3: So um you're asking me, would I get up alone and do something for an amount of money? to raise for charity. Mm -hmm. I'm saying, hell yeah, I'll get up there. I'll do just about anything because you didn't say I had to be good at it. I'll even sing and I can't sing for shit. And guess what? You're going to have to pay me $1 million to do it (laughs) as long as I can keep my clothes on. I'll do. Oh, that was next. That was my next question. You were pretty clear about the whole anything part, anything, (laughs) nothing, nothing. Um, uh, Well, I mean, if Bill and I were up there, I suppose we could do anything for a million dollars, but, uh, (laughs) but no, I'm, you know, this question is basically saying that they'll pay me whatever amount of money for me to get up and do something alone. Oh, that takes Bill out of the question. I also oh. take sex out of the question too. So, but I'll oh, still you can have on. sex
0: with yourself. I mean, no, that I doesn't really oh. take it off the no. table. Uh,
3: I'll, I'll <laughs> keep all know. my clothes on. Fundraiser is this? I'll keep all my clothes on. Nothing sexual, and I'll do anything. And I want all the money.
1: That surprised <laughs> me about you, Sarah. I know. I know. Me too. <laughs> me I thought
2: too. that was going to be a clear no. I thought yeah. that. Was
3: be- <laughs> hey, it's money, and it's going to go somewhere good. And they're willing to pay. Do it. <laughs> But I'm going to sing, and you're going to hate every second of it. (laughs) Bring it on. (laughs) Oh, you haven't heard me yet. (laughs) What about you, Jess? Uh,
4: It would take a lot of money. A whole (laughs) lot of money. A whole Um, lot
2: of spending money. Money i going to tell you though like more money is more stress i'm almost thinking keep keep the price down low because if someone's paying a million bucks for you to do something there's some pressure to do it well
4: <laughs> i was gonna say they didn't specify well so i'll go up there and do some drunk karaoke like i mean that's awesome i'm i'm down for some like drunk shower karaoke like Uh, But as long as if they want it to be good, it's going to have to be like, I don't know, talking about animals of some sort. Sharks, which is what you did
0: forever. Question, never asked for good. That's true. It didn't. didn't. didn't it just asked for for doing. Thank you, Sirens, for diving in with me and teaching me some new things about you today. Let's leave a challenge for our fellow explorers. We want you to start a conversation of your own with someone you love, or maybe even a stranger. Then tell us about it by using the hashtag Siren Soapbox on all the social medias. And thanks again for listening to this episode. You can read about our adventures, check out what we're doing next, or learn all about your favorite sirens over at our website, SirenSoapbox.com. Until next time, dive in, stay curious, and be happy thank you so much for listening to this episode of siren soapbox and a special thank you to Sea strings for providing our music snag their latest EP from itunes today follow the sirens on all the social medias and don't forget to tell your friends about us like and subscribe wherever you listen to your podcasts we'll catch you next time on another episode of
4: siren soapbox